Oh no. <laughs> What's wrong, Ryan? Is this how we're starting this? <laughs> what? What do you mean? What's wrong? You haven't hit record yet, have you? Mm-hmm. Oh god. I think this is the third episode we've started in Media Reyes. Huh? Where you just sort of like, you know, let it start in the middle rather than start at the beginning. What was the term that you used for it? In media, media reus, I think, yeah. It's Latin for in the middle. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Would make sense. Yeah. Is that like a, a, a industry term or something? Or? Yeah, it's like a storytelling term. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, look at you knowing stuff. Hey, what, what's I'm dropping t- that in chiaroscuro. And, and what's the term for, for books written with... With epistolary co- novel yeah exactly yeah, me I'll, i'm suddenly i'm like the scarecrow in wizard of oz <laughs> this season i'm like putting on the glasses and oh, i'd, I I'd love these five dollar words i gotta commit them to memory oh yeah just listen to this season of x-rated movies yeah which is the podcast we're here for <laughs> yeah right it's true um welcome listener i'm ryan whedon I'm that's matt, matt fisher. fisher yeah we, we, we toss out five dollar words like they're Five dollar coins. No, yeah. that's no good. Uh, uh, we make Fraser Crane look like we make William F. Buckley Jr. look like Al Bundy. Yeah, <laughs> I got one of those references. <laughs> oh, Matt. We, we, do you not know who Fraser Crane is? I know who I know who Fraser Crane is. Do you not know who Al Bundy is? I know who William F. No, wait, shit. <laughs> oh no! You don't know who William F. Buckley is? I don't think so. Conservative darling, referenced oh. in the Disney classic Aladdin. He's oh. one of the impressions that the genie makes. When? What? Where? Uh. It's, he's counting on his fingers, and he's like, he's like a little, a little, a little uh, quid pro quo, something oh, like that. That's William F. Buckley. He's yeah, doing, huh? oh, Robin Williams, man of, of many talents, n- of national review fame. He had those famous debates with Gore Vidal on television, and we make him look like Al Bundy. <laughs> yeah, with our, with our our, our uh, perspicacity. Good job. <laughs> Uh, salutations to you. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm realizing we jumped into this with no plan, and that's not always that. That's a why good we're idea. <laughs> You're doing the taffy pull motion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're just you used a big word, and I used that as a jumping point. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, like I've made it weird. You okay. pulled down the curtain, and now we can't return to it. Um, uh, th- my cat is currently on your lap. That's nice. That's a new thing that's happening right now. Uh, yeah. Usually, he's on your lap when we record. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little jealous. Tbh. Yeah, as you should be, because he clearly prefers me to you. 
you have cat sat for extreme danger uh yeah and i mean you had extreme when when we dated did i yeah yeah i guess so huh how about that he was fatter back then he was he's turned into a little skeletal bag of bones you know you would look at extreme and think like oh that's a little frail bag of bones yeah but then he seems to jump and run just fine. Yeah, he leaps around. He's got and, lots of energy. And when I cat sat for you, I had my dog at the same time. And I was like, well, you know, Extreme's used to a dog around. And Lucy's not used to cats around. And she would, like, freak out whenever, like, Extreme, like, did anything. And Extreme would always just look at Lucy like, what is your problem? He's pretty chill. He's a good guy. Since we've started recording at my place, he's a new... Uh, addition to the pod mm-hmm. he snuggles up with my sex flashcards. that's right that's right um yeah anytime you want to chime in extreme go for it he's not a meower <sighs> well wait till feeding time oh, oh that's true no no, no. he'll then, then he the becomes door, mr just... micromanager yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like get on this now faster you're not doing it right come on hurry up i'm hungry let's go no you're right about that there was numerous times where I was greeted at the door. Where's my food? Where is it? Why aren't you getting it now? Well, the last time my cat sat for you, I fed him, and then he barfed it all up. Oh, yeah. You must have not served it right. <laughs> I guess. This is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what? This actually might have been a Jessica Baxter tweet now that I think about it. Someone tweeted along the lines that, like, I've come to accept the fact that cat vomit is a form of expression for them. Okay. And I think that's uh, that's probably true. That, that, and that might have been Jessica. Who Jessica, she, she wrote that hit song, Boat Show, right? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> listeners, let's, yeah, let's give uh, Peyton Puke a plug. It's always worth giving Peyton Puke a plug on this podcast. They did an episode of Showgirls in the recent past. I'm not sure. Early exactly. February. Yeah, how many weeks ago that would be at this point. But... Um, if you like us, you're going to like their episode on Showgirls. And also, you know, you could also... We did an episode on Showgirls. Maybe you don't know that. That's a, a Patreon exclusive. That's right. We, we, we yammered on about Paul Verhoeven's 1995 piece of shitster piece. No, that's not what it was. It was a... Disaster piece? Dis- piece of crap. I don't remember. There was like a weird thing they used. Anyway, but uh, we talk about it on there for an hour and a half. Yeah. You can hear us talk about it. <laughs> but uh, specifically, Boat Show refers to a song that on the Peyton Puke podcast. And um, been singing you should just it drop for weeks. Drop uh, the Boat, boat show? show? Yeah, right oh, okay, here. Okay, Jessica, I'm using it. Boat Show. Boat Show. Boat Show. Boat show. Boat show. It's a catchy tune. It's a catchy tune. Anyway. Anyway. Real grab bag of an opening. I really should have taken notes. You didn't take notes? 
on what I wanted to talk about for opening banter. No, I didn't. That's well, kind of a scandal. If that is a it. scandal if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I took notes. Oh, okay. And I'm going to... On this recent scandal that we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say, I'm jotting this down in my book of notes right now. I was wondering why you were writing... What a <laughs> scandal this is that you didn't take any notes. Oh. Because you got too stoned for this, right? <laughs> okay. Not this Coming in a hot recording. there, Fisher. <laughs> Not this episode that we're recording, but when you watch the movie, you... you uh, uh, Mentioned earlier that you got too stoned for it. Sure, yeah, that movie being Notes on a Scandal. That's right. The first time I watched this for this podcast, I was, I believed, a little too high for it. Okay. Because the next day I was like, I don't remember what happened after a certain point. And I was reading the plot synopsis and was like, oh, that's, I don't, mm, I don't remember that. Uh, so I was like, okay, this is going to have to be... You actually just watched, like, Philomenia. <laughs> yeah. I got them conflated because I had just filled my trench, uh, my, my dench, dench trench, trench, trench with that, and then we're adding this, and they all just got all muddied together. Um, so... That muddy trench. Yeah, that muddy dench trench. And so I was like, okay, I should watch this again. Sober. Which I did. Yeah. And uh, it was like a solid 90 minutes. 90. And you know what? I have honestly, I probably could have done the podcast with the one watch. Okay. But uh, I am glad I watched it a second time because there were things I picked up on that I had missed. Sure, 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 sure. So, uh, in, ge- en general, mm-hmm. what were your feelings on the movie? Because this is one that, like, I just kind of naturally assumed that you'd watched before. And at some point, you brought it up, maybe during our, our Mirren Mirren on the Wall marathon. Mm hmm. Because this came out the same year as The Queen. That's right. And both The Dench and The Blanchette were mm-hmm. nominated for Best Actress this year. I think Kate Blanchett was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. That, oh, that might, be right. might be right. Yeah, but still, one. it's it's Dench versus Mirren. Yeah. And Helen Mirren won. And it was just like, what a fucking year of Academy Award nominations. Mm. But I think that was the episode where you mentioned that you hadn't seen Notes on a Scandal. It's possible. Yeah, probably. And I just flipped my... <laughs> coffee table right over it was like. a mess so uh, en general thoughts en, en general um it's uh i think it's a good flick yeah i definitely uh recommend watching it i shudder a little bit at the depiction of uh homosexual characters in the movie i think that it is buoyed by very strong performances i think that this is the classic uh <laughs> <laughs> you, you, if 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 this were in like lesser hands, like if this were you know a made-for-TV movie, say, and you just had sort of B actors, it wouldn't be so great. But the fact that we've got Judy Dench and Kate Blanchett, and even like I'll say Bill uh, Nye. Bill Nye here, like it elevates it. It makes it worth going to the cinema to see. Yeah. So I hadn't seen this since. I watched it a couple years after its release, probably 2008 or nine. Okay. I want to say. Okay, okay. Uh, and I liked it back then, and I like it now, but I don't love it, which kind of hurts me a little bit, because I feel like this is something I should love. Mm. Why is that? I think it's very good, but I don't know when, you know, so you have a gay drama, you know, we love our lesbian dramas here. <sighs> 
uh, you know, it's just Kate Blanchett being like, oh, I need to go down to the <laughs> knicker shop and get some oysters for dinner for my family. <laughs> and Judy Dench is like, oh, I'd love to eat your oyster stew. <laughs> yeah. Shovel it in my face, I will. <laughs> need to go down to the fingersmith and pick up whatever it is that a fingersmith makes. <laughs> Velvet's tipping all over the place. Yeah, like, I I just feel like, and like, these are actresses that we love. Like, we've talked about how we love Kate Blanchett before. This is our first journey into the Dench Trench. But, like, she's definitely an actress to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, gay actresses that we love. Philip Glass score. Oh, yeah, don't forget that. And it's just like, these are elements, and I'm like, oh, this is a four-star movie automatically. And then I watch, I'm like, you know what? I think it's kind of a a three-and-a-half-star movie. Yeah, and I don't... Like, and I feel bad for saying that. You know what? You know what this movie's missing? Stephen Frears at the helm. You know what? (laughs) Watching this, I was like... it. It's it's very sturdily directed. It's fine. Like yeah. the directing doesn't harm the movie in any way, but it needed a lighter touch and a little more finishing, a little more flair. Maybe. Yeah, and so like uh, uh, Stephen Frears, maybe circa nineteen eighty seven, thereabouts. <laughs> I mean, two thousand six. Make this the the he could do the Queen and this movie. <laughs> Same year. And yeah, I just it just feels like it needs a little something extra in the directing department because there's a lot of stuff that I like, but I'm like, this scene doesn't have quite the bite or like the memorable nature. Yeah. All the impact in this movie comes from performances. Yeah. Like there's nothing about the way the scene is set or how it's filmed or the the cinematic qualities of it that like hit me it's all just like wow judy gents is acting the shit out of this scene yeah yeah exactly uh and i mean there's a couple scenes where the shit gets the acting out of Mm. um my favorite i'm just gonna play it out there right now it's after she's been devastated by uh kate blanchett's betrayal of their friendship and she's and that one dude comes over and it's like is it okay if i ask her out for a day oh the the other teacher (laughs) yeah you'd like me to ask mrs hart if she's inclined to commit adultery with you. Yeah, that whole that whole scene where she's just like, she's over it. Yeah. But um, still like there for the guy. I don't know. I like that. Yeah. And the, the other thing watching it, because I watched it twice, I was like, this movie suggests like challenging our perceptions on age differences in relationships. But it doesn't quite get all the way there. It's like, uh, so the main conflict in the movie is that Kate Blanchett... The titular scandal. Yeah, she's she's a school teacher, so so is the Dench. Mm-hmm. And... High school, basically. Yeah, yeah. And Kate Blanchett starts an affair with a 15-year-old student. Uh-oh. You know... Like like a trailblazer, Mary Kay Letourneau. <laughs> I knew she was going to come on. <laughs> yeah. How how would we do a movie about a teacher having an affair with a student and not bring up trailblazer, Mary Kay Letourneau? Wasn't there a moment in your life where she got out of prison and they stayed together where you're like, oh man, love is real. Also, R.I.P. She died recently. No way. Yeah, like, like this year, not from <gasps> COVID. 
I didn't or not, hear that. Not 2021, 2020. But really? Yeah. I don't remember what it was. I, I, I want to say cancer, but I'm not totally sure. <gasps> but oh, Do you think that's why he broke up with her? Well, no, they got back together after that. After she got her cancer diagnosis? Well, it's like they... they... <laughs> we, we're going into it, Matt. <laughs> so it's like, okay, they hooked up. He was 13. She was like 28 or something. Right. She went to jail for like a couple years. She got out. They got back together. Right. They made it work for like nine years after that. They separated. Then they got back together. And then she died. I think I got the timeline right on that. Maybe love is real. I don't know. (laughs) But she wasn't that old. She was like 48 or something. Yeah, she couldn't have been. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, no. Yeah, that was too bad. But anyway... Yeah, so so Kate Bunch is a fifteen year old in this one. He's fifteen, and she's probably in her mm, early thirties. We'll say she's thirty seven. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, that reminded me of something. Being thirty seven? No, just yeah. Last in the Dangerous Liaisons episode, there's the part where uh, oh, she's like, "You're thirty six." I was like, "Oh, mad that old that sting? man." Yeah, I just turned. I mean, I don't know why you're talking to me about this. I'm Uma Thurman's age. <laughs> There's a fun little Easter egg for you to go back and listen to last week's episode. It's like when we did Repo the Genetic Opera, and she's like, it's better than 40. Yeah. Hey, that stings. <laughs> so, no, she's she's 37 in this. Okay, which, okay, okay, okay. Kate Blanchett, tight 37. Oh, that's more than twice his age. That's pretty. But... To me, I'm all like she's getting lectured about this by Bill Nye, her husband, who I looked it up is 20 years older than her, Mm -hmm. and she's getting lectured by Judy Dench, who's harboring these feelings for her. Who fuck? I looked up who's 37 years older than her. No, that's her age. Uh, It's like 32 years older or something like that. I looked it up and now I don't remember and I didn't write it down, but it's like. Well, and also she was Bill Nighy's student, so we should we should recognize that she was Bill. Oh, because he's a professor. Yeah, and she was twenty when they had their first affair. And yeah, she she points that out when they have their big row. You're his teacher. And you are mine. Oh. No, I'm not justifying. I'm not oh, trying so to justify. Shit. I am just. It's saying. totally different. You were twenty. Well, he's 16 in May. He's not some innocent. Of course he's innocent! He's fucking 15! I don't want anything to, that I'm saying to be mistaken for being, like, anti-statutory rape rules. You're pro. We, we can go back to the podcast. <laughs> but, and, like, what this movie sort of lays out is, like, you, especially in a situation like this, you can't make this determination on age alone whether or not it was immoral. Because this kid preyed on her. Like, he specifically lied in ways that he knew would generate sympathy. He played her. I mean, the movie makes a huge effort to justify their relationship. Also, like, she even talks about how, like, she played the good wife role because she has a daughter with Bill Knight, and then also she has a special needs child. Young Juno Temple's the daughter. That's right. I know. Second Juno Temple movie. Yeah, since Kaboom. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, But, you know, she talks about that where she's like, This is gonna sound sick. But 
something in me felt entitled. You know, I've been good all my adult life. I've been a decent wife, dutiful mother, coping with Ben. This voice inside me kept saying, why shouldn't you be bad? You know, why shouldn't you transgress? I mean, you've earned the right. Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of get it. Like, that's gotta be... I mean, it also, like, implies that, like, she was kind of swept up in it. Because it's like, if she's 37 now and her daughter's, what, 16, 17? That means that, like, she got pregnant right away. Yeah, and I think... Well, I was under the impression that she, Juno Temple's character is younger than him, but she had a boyfriend who was older than him. So it's like right in that zone. Oh, see, I thought that Judy Dench made some comment that uh, the boy, Stephen Connolly, was younger than the daughter. Well, maybe, but I just know that uh, at one point, Juno Temple's character is like, my, you fuck somebody younger, younger than, than my, my boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. So I assumed that she was younger. Or but... that Juno's dating someone like a year younger than her. Like, oh, yeah. That Juno Temple's like 17, she's dating a 16 year old or something. Oh, yeah. That's fucked up. But like the way that I read it is like, she might have gotten like trapped. Like Bill Nye might have just like, oh, yeah, I'm got a vasectomy oh it didn't take like yeah there's the implication that like even though they made it work that she didn't plan on getting pregnant at 20 yeah regardless she's unhappy and this is sometimes the way that 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 being unhappy manifests and like maybe she thought it was just going to be a one-time thing like she was going to get her jollies off and it was going to be like scratch an itch and then she's ready to go back to her family because like it didn't turn out that way they definitely play it like it's she's reclaiming her youth like she wants to be yeah 20 again yeah and it's like 15 is like right at that age because like even in the state of washington age of consent is 16 and even in those conditions you can't have sex with anyone over the age of 18 or 21 or something or no it's like a four-year age gap, I think, okay. if they're in a position of authority. Hmm. So, like, a 16-year-old can n- never have sex with, like, a teacher, basically, is, right. is what they're saying. Probably a good law. I was like, yeah, all there for a reason. But it's like, they just, they point out that, like, Stephen Connolly, like, lied about his father, lied about his mother, like, went out of his way to do these things that would generate sympathy from... uh uh, what's her Bosch? What's uh, Sheba? Sheba. Like he does all these things that purposely manipulate her, and it's like, yeah, it's a big age difference, and of course, the numbers when you're that young, every year makes a huge difference. But it's like, okay, so she was twenty, and Bill Nye was forty. When so like, there's a twenty year age difference there. It's like, like we're not saying like this is arrestable. Right, and the power dynamic, because he was her professor. Yeah, and, you know, she's the art teacher for this 15-year-old, and she's 22 years older than him. Uh, Yeah, the newspaper that, like, the lady at the very end is reading says, like, sex teacher, parentheses, 37, Mm. uh, jailed for 10 months or something. Well, and, and, yeah, and, and, like, it starts off innocent enough. Because she's just getting back into teaching or, like, getting into doing something after spending years taking care of her Down syndrome kid. And, you know, she, like, working in the public school system, which can be 
very discouraging and she finds a kid who's like she thinks is very interested in learning the things she's teaching it also just kind of sounds like she didn't have like her 20s you know we all had a slutty phase in our 20s or our 40s i plan to continue my slutty phase (laughs) thank you but you know just like that period of time where you go out and you date around and you go to clubs and bars and you have a good she was in a band yeah, but it's like it sounded like that stopped at twenty because like she got pregnant mm. and had to have a kid. Yeah, 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 and it's like all this is sort of like breaking when she meets this kid who it's like <laughs> I don't I, the the actor who plays Stephen Connolly like I don't know Andrew him. something. It's like he's just he's five years away from being so hot, like he's. I looked it up. I think he's eighteen in this movie. Oh, is he? I think so. At, like, I looked at him, and, like, maybe it's just, like, the makeup or the attire or something, but I was just like, he's so clearly a child in this. Well, he makes out with Kate Blanchett, and I was like, you got, you can't have a kid in this role. It was really bugging me. I was like, I need to know his age. Okay. And I think I figured out, I think he's 18, 17 or 18, but it's like, boy, they are right on the edge there. I just, yeah. Can you imagine being an 18-year-old and making out with, like, 30-something-year-old Kate Blanchett for a movie? Yeah, fucking high five. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, oh, man, woof. Made me uncomfortable, I'm just going to say. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a little uncomfortable, but, like, if she made out with Bill Nye, would that make you uncomfortable? Yeah. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) (laughs) She made out with Judy Dench, would that make you uncomfortable? Hey, now we're talking. Cause yeah, no, it's it's something like close to like Can stick your tongue in that dense trench. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh, I'm glad the movie doesn't go there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, I, it, I, it, I, it I just is, feel it, like the movie could have said something about these age differences because like the people that are shaming her the most, Bill Nighy and and uh, what's Judy Dench's character's name? Margaret. Barbara. 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 Like, these are two people who are significantly older than Kate Blanchett, and they're shaming her for, like, doing this, like, age discrepancy relationship. Well, and also Barbara, the last relationship that she had before also, Kate Blanchett was, like, a May-December relationship. Like, right. When Kate's going through uh, her booklets, finding out about uh, Jennifer, I think is her Jennifer name. Dodd. Yeah. She, like, you see pictures of them, it's like, ooh, there's an age discrepancy there. Yeah, and it's just, I feel like the movie could have pointed out the hypocrisy a little better. Sure. Because that's what it is. Like, Bill Nye's like, in that big fight scene, he's yelling, he's like, yeah, we all, like, have feelings for younger people, but we deal with it. I'm like, you deal with it by marrying them. Yeah. It just feels like that's, like, not the point that the movie's trying to make, even though that's the point the movie should be making is everyone shaming this woman for doing something they all deem disgusting. But, like, when the role's reversed and you add five years, like, suddenly it's not disgusting, it's just normal. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, that that was something that kind of stuck in my craw. I was like, I don't... It feels like everything about this movie is supposed to be condemning the hypocrisy that's going on. She's being yelled at someone 20 years her senior for sleeping with someone 22 years her junior. Well, then what would the movie look like without that? Like, would it focus more on on what? Well, no, no, no. It, 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 I want more of it, not less of it. Oh, okay, okay. Like, I, I feel like Kate Blanchett should have fought back and said, you got me pregnant when I was 20. 
I didn't ask for uh. it, but it happened. And you told me that this is how we're moving forward. Like, the coercion from Bill Nighy's side that, like, he convinced her to keep the baby uh, or that that was the best option. And, you know, like, it, it's just, it just seems so one-sided to me mm-hmm. when it's ripe for this hypocrisy. Yeah. Like, to make the movie more morally ambiguous, that's like, no, Bill Nighy, like, you know, got her pregnant and she had to sacrifice, like, her youth in order to, like, be a good mother. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's in the book. Maybe. It could be in the original notes. Mm -hmm. It could be. It's just, I don't know. It There's suggestions of it here, and I'm like, this is the alley that it should have gone down. Like, this is the trench that it should have wallowed in. I was sort of wondering, like, what the original novel how it presented things like was it all just like diary entries which of course there's probably chapters Epistable or <laughs> close you almost got it okay um but uh there's definitely probably like some diary entries but then it made me wonder like how did the novel tell the parts of the tale that didn't involve barbara sure and uh i just i'm, I'm curious how those were told because there were times where I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be Barbara's story, but like we spend a lot of time with Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. And so it, I am curious why she was nominated for best supporting actress. Like there's all the politics with that, but it's like, I feel like they get pretty equal screen time and I almost want more Judy Dench because that? I just feel like her character and her internal struggle could have used more screen time like we spend we do spend a lot of time with Kate Blanchett and her justifying her relationship and it's like it's sketchy like they have sex in a train yard <laughs> like it's not yeah this isn't it, like it's real like, let's get a hotel or anything like that they're, right they're fucking on the ground with trains around them uh like I wanted more of the like Judy Dench just pining sorry i have to fact check you oh uh, but you're right no it, it was best performance by an actress in a supporting role Kate blanchett yeah which is odd because yeah i do feel like her and judy dench it's pretty equal pretty equal screen time yeah. yeah they do this i mean the academy will do this all the time like push somebody into a supporting role when like they're actually like on the screen the same amount of time as somebody else but like yeah this one just felt like for the amount of time that we're seeing both of these uh, women on screen they're pretty pretty equal I yeah think. what makes me go back to this movie is just the performances like specifically between those two. Oh yeah anytime we've got dench and blanchette on screen i'm like glued to it what because i remember uh watching the academy awards that year and like the clip that they used for one of the two nominees was just like uh when Judy Dench finds out that the affair is still going on, uh, right after like the hand rubbing stuff, and like Judy Dench, like oh, the walk- stroking, yeah, the stroking. When I was at school, if one of us had had some bad news or was a bit down, we used to stroke each other. You know, someone would do one arm and someone else the other. It's a wonderful sensation. Did you do that at your school? 
incredibly relaxing. I stroke it to the east and I stroke it to the west and I stroke it to the woman that I love the best. I mean, stroke it. Do you think that's what they were had in mind? <laughs> quick, quick aside on that. Uh, so when I worked at the record store, uh, after christmas christmas eve we'd always have like a little after party okay and we'd always play music that was the antithesis of christmas music uh-huh. and uh so like we'd go to like the playlist and like you know someone would put like death metal on like hate eternal or something mm-hmm. uh, and i'd put on like uh nick cave stagger league because it's about like gay rape and stuff like that okay and someone put on that one time <laughs> and one of my other co-workers who used to be a dj at a strip club <laughs> Started like going into like his DJ routine. He's like, "All right, LA's nakedest ladies coming out. They're not even wearing a smile because <laughs> they hate their lives." <laughs> it's funny that you uh, mentioned that the Christmas party because guess what, Matt? <laughs> we got ourselves a Christmas movie here. <laughs> There's like one scene. Well. It's I a think block. a lot of it takes place at Christmas. There's like a five-minute block or something that I guess is Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so listeners may not remember, but like we're sort of stuck in this zone where like suddenly every movie's a Christmas movie. I watched uh, uh, Cameron Crowe's Aloha. That turned out to be a Christmas movie. You watched? We both watched Invisible Man. That's right. Oh, you did see it? Yeah. Oh my god, we have to talk about this later. Later, okay. okay. Uh, th- th- there's like a Christmas tree in that. Like, it's just like all these random movies we're watching happen to take place on or around Christmas. Uh, and I think it's it's all been post our Christmas season. So we've <laughs> we've entered into some sort of Christmas vortex, and uh, this movie's no exception. As soon as they like cut to the kids like singing, the clapping and doing Christmas song at the whatever it was, I was just like, oh my god, we're in another Christmas movie. <laughs> So, yeah, what was Judy Dench's Christmas thing with, like, the paper crowns? Oh, so that's a British thing. You have crackers, which, like, you each person takes um, the end of, like, it looks like, like a Tootsie Roll, basically, like a big Tootsie Roll. And each person takes it and you pull it and, like things pop out of it like and often it's those crowns those paper crowns oh and, but like toys and sometimes there's jokes and like oh because i thought it was like a school event or something but it's like no it's it's her with her family yeah yeah her sister by the way looks like jim broadbent in drag oh a little bit yeah i see that i i was like that looks so much like jim broadbent i have to know if it's his sister <laughs> it's not but i was very i was she looks like jim broadbent like a woman jim broadbent yeah and like they have like a nice little touching scene because it's like they're at the dinner table and they're or maybe lunch or brunch or whatever it is yeah and they bring up jennifer dodd and it's a good like foreshadowing scene like the way that everyone kind of looks at each other like how's jennifer yeah and like oh well you know she's teaching in stoke now she's dead now Uh, but then, yeah, her sister comes in. At, like in the bedroom, and she's like, You know, you're welcome whenever you want. Not just once a year. It's just that I'm rather busy at the moment. Your racy London life. I'm, I'm glad it's so full. I'm sorry about Jennifer. She was lovely. Is there anyone else? Someone else who's special? When you're gay, you always get, Is there anyone else special? In your life, like, uh, when I was dating Lincoln, like, and I introduced him to my mom's side of the family, like, my grandmother was like, and this is Matt's special friend. I was like, who 
are you protecting with this? <laughs> That's right. We're fucking. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a everyone my age, like all all the like the cousins and things my age, they're not fooled. <laughs> like yeah. they know what's going on. Like, are you protecting like the old people here? Like, are they so delicate that like I don't know? It always bothered me. I was like, who 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 is this fooling? Yeah. That scene made me feel like. It, it like kind of drove home the point that like Barbara's own hangups it, are self-imposed. It's all internalized. Like yeah, it's like, not that her family isn't accepting. It's that Barbara herself is not accepting. Yeah, she has some issues, some some uh, self hatred issues. At, at no point in the movie does she accept her own sexuality. Like she just thinks of like. I just, they're just a real cool lady. Yeah. Like, and we I'll, are companions. I'll go to, to the ends of the earth for someone I admire, you know? Yeah, all that kind of language. I always knew we'd be friends. Our mutual reserve inhibited us, but now it is manifest a spiritual recognition. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're me staring at a picture of uh, <laughs> Chris O'Donnell in 1995. You're right. Like, He's a cool guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like stuck in that phase. Exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, it's her sister comes in. It's like, is there anyone else special in your life? And she's like, I don't know what you mean. It's like, clearly your family isn't judgmental about this. Yeah. Okay, Barbara. And it's like, she lives in like London, like. Not exactly like the stodgiest or stuffy of towns. Like yeah. there's a reason why it was called like Swing in London. Like yeah. they'll deal with it. <laughs> so yeah, it's all like internalized homophobia, which is I guess another aspect that they didn't flesh out, and I kind of wish they would. Yeah, they should have had a scene with her going to like uh, an oyster bar and being like, <laughs> "I <laughs> were these chucked freshly today." <laughs> I only like the freshest, youngest oysters. <laughs> no more than 37 hours old. <laughs> I need to have a spiritual connection to my oysters. <laughs> Me and these oysters need to have a deep bond. A friendship like none other. <laughs> I won't have anything suggested that it was a tawdry thing. I loved this oyster. That last oyster you gave me had a mental breakdown! <laughs> That's what this movie's missing. <laughs> it's just... Ridiculous cockney accent and, uh... You know, shellfish or, or mussels or whatever the, the oysters are. Tori, this oyster's only 15 hours old! <laughs> What do I look like a tart? <laughs> My journal will hear about this. <laughs> uh, I'll write <laughs> all about it. I'll write about it right good, I will. Bang on, Judy Dench, by the way. <laughs> it's like she's here. <laughs> Even some of like just like the regular talking scenes, it's like the performances are so good though, I'm kinda sucked in. Like when Judy Dench first finds out, like she looks through the blinds, sees sees what's going on, calls up uh uh Sheba. Which I'm like, that's such an unusual name. Like there's gotta be a reason yeah. for that. I just remember that that's a cat food brand and she had a cat. So. <laughs> oh, okay. And they go out to a pub. The way that Sheba sort of explains it, she goes, It was easy. Like 
having another drink when you no, you shouldn't. Perfect comparison. Absolutely perfect. Like I've one hundred percent hooked up with someone who's like, ah, I shouldn't do this. Like not not an illegal hookup, but like <laughs> just being like, I should go home, get some sleep, or <laughs> yeah. And I've also get my dick wet. Yeah, and like you, you've also probably been like, I really, I need to go home. I have to work tomorrow. But like somebody's like, do you want to get one more? And you're like, okay. What flavor of white claw? I'll take whatever you got. <laughs> that expression of like, you know, having one more drink when you know you shouldn't. That just illustrated like so much for me. I was like, I get that. Like that is a situation that most adults have been in mm-hmm. and I think re- relays like what she's talking about really well. But also in that it's like they talk, they kind of have like a little bit of a spat, but then they go in and do shots of whiskey. <laughs> well, but she was, uh, uh, Barbara was sipping on something in a shot glass already. Yeah. But it, it was just like, they both are collectively having another drink. Right. When they probably shouldn't be. Yeah. And it's like, that's how easy it is. Oh, and it, yeah, and it's symbolic for Barbara, too, because at first she's like, I have to. I have to report you. I have to report you. But then, like, she softens, and then when they she go has inside. another drink. Yeah, and, and she's like, you know what? We're just going to keep this a private matter. Yeah. So, yeah, so she also is in the same boat. You're right. Uh, so there is a theme running through this movie, too, that I appreciate, where there's, like, a difference between what... Uh, you imagine life is and what reality is or what you want it to be and then what it actually is. Mind the gap. Um, I don't know. It's just the distance between life as you dream it and life as it is. I know exactly what you mean. Barbara is sort of like imagining this relationship flourishing into a really cool friendship when in reality that's not what's going on Kate Blanchett also has the thing where she's she thought that like her marriage was going to be this one thing and it suddenly just like is not that at all Judy Dench at one point says uh you know I always imagined myself to to grow into a person to be reckoned with And she kind of presents herself that way. My record here is beyond reproach. The majority of the staff regard me as a moral guardian. (laughs) Pretty sure no one here even likes you. Like, they're not looking to you as, like, a moral compass. She's a battle axe. She's not liked, but she's respected. Sure, sure. that's what she says, yeah. But, and then, yeah, I mean, definitely with Kate Blanchett, she's just, like, she imagined her life being different. I think she wanted to lead a more bohemian life, like, one where she could... You know, have a day job as, like, a teacher or something, but then, like, go home and have her art studio and just kind of focus on that. And and so, like, yeah, but then, like, her relationship with uh, the boy is also sort of that. Where, like, sh- what she thought she was doing as, like, an escape from her life and, like, she deserved this and, like, she can justify it any way she wants. But, like, in reality, what's going on is it's statutory rape. Right. Because, like... And, like, you see that she kind of compartmentalizes it because, like, they're hooking up, like, in her art studio. And uh, Steven, like, puts on the hat. And she's like, take it off. Take it off. Oh, that scene is hard. Yeah. And it's like, this is because, like, her real world is kind of colliding with, like, her fantasy world a little bit. And his at that point. Because after that, he's sort of like, Ugh. Take it off. What's it for? Just take it off, please. I'm, I'm still making it. Yeah, but Why? 
Uh, it's for my son. But he's 12, isn't he? He's got Down syndrome. This was supposed to be fun, and now that I know you have a Down syndrome kid, I'm, I'm like, not turned on. Which is such a 15-year-old reaction. Well, I mean, he's a shitbag. Oh, he sucks. Like, he lied about his mom being sick, and, like, lied about his dad being abusive... Because he knew that it would generate sympathy from Sheba. Like, yeah. And he tried to impress her in all the ways that a 15-year-old would, where he like he dedicates his goal to her and then like gets in a fight because somebody said that he stuck it in her arse. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, she well... She was a tart. Yeah, that's very uh, valiant of you, but like that's, that's not the kind of stuff that impresses people. And that, that's why, like, you know... I'm not saying that there shouldn't be, like, statutory rape laws, but it's like, when determining her sentence, we need to keep in mind what a manipulative little shitbag he was, too. Well, she was supposed to get two years at one point. She only got ten months. And she only got ten months. Which also, not unfair. Like, that's not like a death sentence she got. Like, granted, like, going to jail is not fun, but it's like, Martha Stewart came back, she can too. That's less than Lori Lawton served. (laughs) So... Yeah, it was just like, he's such a manipulative shitbag, totally preyed on her, and as far as we know, he got out consequence-free. Yeah. I mean, burden always lays on the older person in these situations, and I think that that's probably the way to go, Right, but you can take into account the fact that she was being played a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. The movie just plays like, this kid is... He's mature enough to know how to manipulate an older woman. That should count for something. This isn't a Mary Kay Letourneau thing where it's like the kid's like 13 and she's preying on him. I don't know. Stuff like that just kind of... It's like people seem to think there's like an arbitrary line when you reach 18. That it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, suddenly you're 18 and you're worldly and cosmopolitan and you know how to like do things and like i'm of the opinion like you shouldn't be allowed to have kids till you're 32 at least uh you shouldn't get married till after you've had kids personally i feel Hmm. um yeah pop out kids and live in separate places it's fine okay (laughs) that sounds viable for lots of people (laughs) uh yeah then then you get married if you can see that like you know living together and having kids work then then you can get married but okay. i don't know it just it it seems like having a line is so arbitrary it's like if he's the exact same person at 18 like if this is like his ceiling on maturity then like is it really as much of a crime that he was 15 i mean that's the kind of stuff that this movie doesn't explore at all. Right. And then, like, yeah, I just kind of wish that, like, Kate Blanchett had, like, had some teeth with Bill Nye about the age discrepancy there and the power imbalance there. And then, like, when she goes to, like, live with Barbara for a little while and, like, when it's revealed that, like, Barbara's illusions about their relationship are not at all, like, the realistic elements of it, like push back and say like you dragged me through the mud for sleeping with someone 22 years my junior meanwhile you're 30 years my senior and you seem to think this is fine yeah instead yeah what we get is like uh the the homophobic aspect of it a little bit where she's like you're a virgin 
You're lonely for a reason. They loathed you at school, all of them. I was the idiot who bothered, but only because no one told me you're a fucking vampire! So what is it, Ma? You want to roll around the floor like lovers? You want to fuck me, Marlborough? Please don't diminish our- uh, What?! She, she's not calling her out on that age discrepancy, which I think it just, should be a bigger deal. It, it just seems like it's there. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. Like, they didn't make her husband older for the age thing to... Like, that was a decision. It, it's almost like... So, they made the Judy Dench... Maybe this is in the book. But they made the Judy Dench scandal with Jen... Jennifer... About the homosexual aspects of it. When, in fact, it's a homosexual and age difference and they don't really emphasize that enough in that it seems like which is why I, i'm going to go back to what i mentioned at the beginning like i don't think that like the homosexual aspects of this are put in a good light like i feel like it, this is a step backwards a little bit where it's mm. like the bad person the person who's being the manipulator is the homosexual because it's like she's and they're not, doing it for their own like Maybe not sexual gratification, but right. emotional and, gratification. And it's not like she had, well, maybe she did and we don't know, but like it's not like she had some like some other oppressive force causing her homophobia. It just, it all seems like it's coming from within. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's like, oh, so homosexuals hate themselves and what they do is they take it out on other people. Mm-hmm. And that feels regressive to me. Like if if there was some other force, like she was a, a Catholic or something, I would buy it maybe a little more. But like we just, th- there's nothing like that in here. It's just like she hates herself and takes it out on other people. Yeah. And that's not great. Yeah. I don't know. The, this movie has a, a lot more promise than it delivers. Yeah, because I, rem- I remember seeing the trailer for this, probably for the Queen. <laughs> yeah, because I saw that in the theater, uh, and thinking like, "Oh yeah, that's a that, that looks interesting." Yeah, and it is interesting. It's just I don't know. Like, yeah, a Stephen Frearsy touch would would do this well. Mm. So you mentioned. Uh, so this is a peek behind the curtains, listener. We're recording these in the same day which means we had to watch these movies kind of back to back and um you mentioned that like they make a great double feature this and dangerous liaisons yes yes thank you uh and i am uh i'm with you on that because there's a lot of elements of like the epistolary novel here where (laughs) the you know i can imagine reading this book and you're reading her diary entries and suddenly it feels very like personal like you're really getting like the juice from the person Do you and think like the opposite end would be like the text messages between like uh uh oh yeah maybe uh steven and uh sheba yeah like by the way original nokia tone did you know did you clock that yeah absolutely of course he did all right i'm throwing it in right now um but uh yeah so there there is that thread between these two movies of like and sexual espionage yeah um accidental double feature yeah like we didn't plan it this way but like i don't know they they go back to back well i'm just gonna say dangerous liaisons is the superior film sure but like this one's still good because it a it it has a more modern feel like you got the philip glass score which means a little oppressive at times i was gonna say you know what i usually love a philip glass score but for some reason this movie i was kind of like eh. it's not it feels it's you know what it is it's like it 
feels at this point like a rote thing. Well, A, Philip Glass has been writing the same tune for 30 years at this <laughs> point, so there's already that aspect to it. Did he do did he do the hours? Yeah. That was I think that was like the turning point with Philip Glass scores for me where I'm like everything up until that point is fine and then that's kind of where I was like okay, now it's diminishing returns. I'm, I'm a Candyman man. Oh, I love Candyman. It's not bad. It just no, it, the, feel, the, it feels the music formulaic. Is fine, but it, like they and they it's used in like every scene even if the scene doesn't call for it i agree I, yeah okay so I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page here because like definitely i was excited when i saw oh phil glass this is great but then it was a little like okay it's it's like every scene and it's like <laughs> you know music. And, and that in that brand of minimalism can kind of feel like oppressive and just like having every scene even when it's like sort of like a mundane scene like when it's supposed to be like normal shit happening so I don't know, like over reliance on the score, over reliance on just the power of the actors that you're working with, and then under reliance on like the power of directing, I think are like the things, and then just not fleshing out the themes that to me feel there. Yeah, the whole thing is about the age discrepancy. Like we're not actually calling into question like Stephen Connelly's like maturity, like whether or not he's sexually mature. That's not what's called into question here. We both hit it, right? <laughs> Wait, was that where you were going with that? Oh, no. oh am I on the wrong page? Oh, sorry. He's got all those freckles. I honestly would not. Way too young. He looks like a boy. It's gross. No, he does look like a boy. I was like, he's to me, he's five years away from being like prime jailbait. Yeah, too. It's but, there's there's something about like it was like when we did Jawline and they kept like showing pictures oh. of those guys and I'm like, this is like. It's too young to be sexualized. It's gross. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's where he is. But it's like in real life he was 18. That means that, like, he could have had sex with Kate Blanchett consequence-free. Yeah. But even then, like, looking the way he does, like, if somebody like that hit me up at some point, I would still be like, you're you're too, it's too young. You look like a boy. It's gross. I don't don't want to touch it. Yeah. I don't don't know. No, thank you. Yeah, uh, no, I, I was kind of the same way. I was just like, Poof, I don't know. He's got to have a little hair on his chest or something. It's just like too extreme of a twink. Yeah, I don't, I'm not into it. Uh, one thing I noted from this is like, <laughs> this is going to sound obvious to everybody. Cape Blanchett is beautiful, you guys. What? <laughs> Since when? And I'm watching this, I'm like, it would be not necessarily easy because i don't think being like a a top tier actress in in any like lane of hollywood is easy but i'm like she could have just played like kind of like the love interest in a lot of movies and she chose not to go down that route she chose to do interesting roles yeah and this is a very difficult interesting role but um, i was i thought about that too but i was just watching i was like she's just radiant maybe the the you know granted this filtered through a gay man's eyes but it was just like i don't know she's just beautiful and angelic to me and i'm like she probably could have taken a hundred roles where she's just like a trophy wife or like the love interest or a mistress and she doesn't like she does movies Mm. where like she's the villain in thor or an aging tennessee williams-esque heroine like I don't know. She, she chose more interesting roles than that. Yeah, she's a strong actress on top of being beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, 
Use them both. I don't know. But just here, I was like, God, she is really beautiful. Mm. So, and they go out of their way to, like, make Judy Dench look <laughs> just repulsive, as sexual as possible. <laughs> I do like that scene where she's, like, when she finally gets invited over to her lunch, to have lunch at Cape Blanchett's, and she's like, Bliss, a merry flag on the Arctic wilderness of my calendar. One must make an effort when one receives an invitation. The art of it is seeming not to. But then Juno she, Temple like sniffs it out immediately. <laughs> the, second, the second she gets it, she's like, "Are you going somewhere?" Excuse me. You're pushed up. I love that. That's a good payoff. Would you hit Bill Nye? Ew. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. No. What if he was twenty years younger? Nothing. Nothing about him. He's got a charm that kind of works for me. Like I can kind of see, like not physically, but like. Just the like, I don't know the way that he moves, like the way that he talks. I was like, oh, we are charm. semi-professional alcoholics. <laughs> uh, what can I get you? We're uh, we're semi-pro drinkers here. You name. It. He's the type of person after one drink too many, and be like, yeah, I could do worse. I don't know. He'd really, he'd have to plow me a little bit with uh, <laughs> alcohol before I'd before he could plow you regularly. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. N- nothing there working for me. I don't know. I could I could see the charm. I could see why twenty year old Kate Blanchett <laughs> got trapped by that. Maybe it's because we're too close to love, actually. Oh, and, God. Uh, I'm thinking of him as some like aging rock star. I don't know. It just it he doesn't. It's not working for me. And those are our two options in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> way too young or way too old. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, though, I'm glad I watched it, and yeah. at 90 minutes, no regrets. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, this is a movie. If easy, we were easy any watch. longer, like, it would be, like, knocked down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Got to earn any minute over <laughs> 90 minutes. But, but yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad that you watched it, because it was just like, come on, man. This is, like, a... Oh, I know. I'm Like, a 2006 movie, you're, you have to see those movies. I know. I'm ashamed I haven't seen it by now. But. So, and then there's gay elements, Cape Blanchett. Like, what more do you want to see a movie? I mean, it's always just been sort of back, back burner. Never got around to it. And now, here we are. And I'm so happy. Let me, let me check my notes real quick. On a scandal? My, my notes. Your notes on, on notes, notes on, on a scandal. scandal. Um... I liked when Judy Dench said that she was chronically untouched. Oh, that's when good. She's like taking a bath. Yeah, like when the the minor brushing of a bus driver's fingertips can send a shiver right straight to your crotch or yeah. whatever. It's like, honey, I've been in COVID <laughs> for a year, and that rings true. People like Sheba think they know what it is to be lonely, out of the drip drip of long haul no end in sight solitude they know nothing what it's like to construct an entire weekend around a visit to the laundrette or to be so chronically untouched that the accidental brush of a bus conductor's hand sends a jolt of longing straight to your groin that whole speech i was just like honey i feel you i feel it i know what you're talking about to have nothing on your calendar or, and like to plan your weekend around laundry and like yeah that that junk is like i get it and so like 
you kind of feel for her a little bit when she's like, hey, you should, when Kate Bunch, I was like, come over for lunch. It's like, <gasps> something. I also liked it when, uh, and this might just be like something that's like unique to me, but Kate uh, Blanchett is walking along with Steven and he said something like, he's like, oh, I made you feel like Bob Geldof or something. And I was like, Bob Geldof, lead singer of the Boomtown Rats? <laughs> and like, suddenly it all came flooding back to me. Like, A, he was the star of the Wall movie, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh my God, really? Yeah. But like, after that, like, he went on to like form charitable things. Like, I think he's one of the people responsible for like Live Aid. And like, he does like all these, like, he organizes like huge, like, charity concerts for stuff. And I was like, are 15-year-olds, like, do they still know who Bob Geldof is? Like, the Boomtown Rats haven't, like, had an album since, like, 84. Yeah. And I was like, is 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 he st- in England? Is he still, like, a force to be reckoned with? What'd you come up with in researching that? Oh, I didn't. Oh. I just thought it was funny. He's like, oh, made you feel like Bob Geldof or something. And I was like, that's a, that's a thing? Oh. Like, is this a... Is Bob Geldof a, a cultural reference in England? I totally missed that, huh? I only know that one. There's like one Boomtown Rat song. Uh, what's it called? I want to say it's Saturday. <laughs> okay, pause. I don't like Mondays. Yes, that is them. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Uh yeah, I don't like Mondays, huh? And Boom regular Rats. Garfield. What does this have to do with well, the movie? Well, no, because he mentions it, and Bob Geldof is like a charitable organizer now. Oh, so she feels... and yeah, I think it was when after like she finds out that he was lying about his mom being sick and his dad being abusive. And he was like, oh, I, you know, I just want to make you feel like Bob Geldof or something. Like it was a charity act to bang him. Wouldn't that turn you on? <laughs> if someone said, I want to make you feel like Bob Geldof. <laughs> well, 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 it was like you, you, you pity fuck them. And then they're like, I was trying to make you feel like Bob Geldof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. It'd probably, that, that'd probably be a boner shrinker. Kind of a deal breaker, TBH. That'd probably create a... a, a, a Dusty, dusty trench there. It's like when Mr. Burns should like lick an envelope or something. There's no pearl in the oyster. It's all sand. I these oysters are born dry. They are. Dusty oysters don't agree with me system. Oysters weren't meant to be dusty. <laughs> hey, you shocking that oyster it shouldn't go pay. <laughs> oysters shouldn't go pay. They should go. <laughs> oh boy. Lesbian community is going to be right up our pearls.
glad that you watched it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like good, not great movie, but fun to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd watch it again sometime. Oh, easy watch. I w- I I, uh, I don't really have bad things to say. Just you know, criticisms. Yeah, it, it's one of those movies that it's not that there's necessarily necessarily anything wrong with it. There's just places where it could have been more right. Right. Well, enough about these motherfucking notes on this motherfucking scandal. Blah. What's coming up next week, Ryan? Well, Matt, if we're just checking off things that we've got to get checked off, I think it's time uh, that we check off something that needs checking off. Chekhov's Three Sisters? Yes. I don't know. This is actually kind of in line to what what we were just talking about. If we're talking about underage uh, sexual problems. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah. Uh, you might be able to guess the movie at this point, but uh, I want to do birth, baby. You know, I was thinking of threatening you with doing this at some point because I was like, you need to pick this one because like, <laughs> it's important that you're ready to do this movie. I'm, re- I'm ready. It took me. It's been long enough since I first saw it. I'm ready to do it again. <sighs> it's going to be tough. And it's, been, it's been a long time. Like I remember... Last time I watched it was when I was, you know, dating Lincoln, and it was when he lived, like, on Union, which would have been 2012 at the latest, but I think 2010 is more realistic. It's a very challenging movie, but, you know, I feel like uh, we, we need a little challenge these days, after right these now. These two breezy affairs. Yeah, after these easy, watchable pap. They weren't pap. They're like both those movies. But, um, you know, we, we need a little challenge. And uh, it's an, it's on theme, I think. We've got, like, uh, prestige actresses with uh, Nicole Kidman. We've got um, uh, icky, sticky subject matter with um, child sexualization. Sure. Uh, Jonathan Glazer. This is our second Jonathan Glazer movie. Two out of three. Um, so, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I think and, I'm ready. I'm ready now. I've been waiting for you to do it, because I, like, this is one that I know that I would have chosen regardless of whether or not you'd seen it, but I wanted you to be mentally ready to revisit it. <sighs> I'm, ready. So. I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to birth. <sighs> It's going to be a lot of squirming, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Kid Man versus Kidman. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bring up uh, uh, Bigger Birth, the toxic shock conundrum that Emily Shahan and Bettina McKelvey came up with. We'll get into it. Okay. Uh, plug or junk, get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. On the sort of topic of coin. Yes, well, folks, I work really hard to make this podcast. Matt works really hard to make this podcast. And uh, if you can, we'd appreciate uh, a little monetary compensation for it. If you enjoy this free content, give us a follow on Patreon because uh, we got more where that came from. And just in case it's a deal breaker, Ryan works much harder than I do, and he gets the money for it. Which I spend on... Movies. Movies. <laughs> Actually, quite a bit. None of this goes to me. Like, 100% goes to the editor-in-chief. Well, thank you. Did someone say the chief? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Acme. I'm the chief. You need to get a thick pen in here. <laughs> 
If money's not your bag, there are free ways to support us. That's right. We love reviews. Do we say where our Patreon is? Oh, it's patreon.com slash movies. And if you want to leave us love, any place that you get this podcast, if there is a reviewable option, five stars. I mean, Jimmy Stewart Blumpkin's always good. Loopy Gloop and the Gloopenheim's always good. If there's something that struck your funny bone from an episode that's not a year or two old, um, throw it on there. Yeah, throw it on there. And we'll make it a thing. Yeah, we'll talk about it for sure. If you <laughs> yeah. leave a review, we're 100% going to talk about it on the podcast. So if you want to be mentioned, uh, there's that. Also, another great free way to support the podcast is tell a friend. If mm. you know someone who likes movies and thinks they might enjoy this, just tell them. Pass it along. And uh, other than that, you can always reach us. If you just want to shoot us a comment or just give us a little info if we got something wrong or if we left something out oh i love being corrected <laughs> oh it's my kink yeah ryan does get off on it oh tell me i'm wrong tell me i'm wrong oh god you're such a wrong boy <laughs> i love it i love using that buzzer sound on myself oh i love it when i'm wrong anyway uh facebook is at rated x movies twitter is at x rated movies the old emails x.rated.movies at gmail.com and our website is xratedmovies.com. That's right. Um, I guess that's everything. All right. Until next week with birth. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye bye.